Yes, indeed. We are back in and ready for the weekend here on the nation's college basketball show and podcast. It is college basketball coast to coast. I am merely your host, TJ Reeves. You can keep track of me on social media at Buck Sideline Guy at B-U-C. Buck sideline guy. I work in the fall for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as part of their radio broadcast, but love the college hoop game. I've been around the college hoop game, uh, covering it in the media, etc. for going on 30 years now. I uh, love this game inside and out. I've been at the Final Four some 18 times. We are headed to the month of March and looking forward to all of it uh, here as everything unfolds in February. Let me set the table on what we have for you. We're going to preview the weekend uh, coming up straight ahead. Uh, a lot of the different weekend matchups. Uh, first, we'll actually look back to some of Thursday. Matt Zimmick is going to be with me here. Love Matt's insight. He's writing for BadgerWire.com, which is the USA Today uh, website that covers the Wisconsin Badgers uh, for them. Uh, it's a it's a large game against Ohio State coming this weekend. Matt will have thoughts on what happened to the Badgers uh, midweek against Minnesota in Big Ten play. Matt also with a lot of insight on Thursday night, late night Pac-12 basketball uh, where we saw Arizona and Colorado both hold serve. Top 25 teams up at the top of the Pac-12 conference. Looks like they are going to be solidly in the NCAA tournament. Others vying to get in the NCAA tournament out of the Pac-12. Matt will have thoughts on that. And we're headed towards a West Coast Conference showdown with St. Mary's and Gonzaga on Saturday evening. Both of those teams in action. Both won on Thursday. Matt will have uh, thoughts on all of it uh, as everything unfolds here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. And then Chris Dobbertine will be back with me from bloggingthebracket.com. Chris is going to be a regular guest, a staple on this show, blogging the bracket here on this podcast with uh, who's in, who's out. He'll be previewing the important games that he's watching this weekend. We'll talk some American Conference after a great win by Cincinnati over Wichita State. Boy, that game had a fantastic feel where Wichita State came back, got the lead in the final minute. Houston took the lead back uh, on some free throws by Jerron Cumberland. Then Wichita State hit a big three to put them up by two only to have Cumberland ice them with an and one, a drive to the hoop and a, and a big score. Huge win for Houston at Wichita State. We'll talk more about the game, the implications, etc. with Chris later on and what it means for the American Conference. And oh, by the way, Houston-Wichita State coming on Sunday in the preview mode. Chris also has thoughts on LSU-Auburn, Seton Hall-Villanova Saturday, what's going to happen with Duke and North Carolina. you gotta, you got to give me credit. We're, we're like three minutes into the podcast, and I just mentioned duke Carolina because Duke is one of the top two or three teams in the country and North Carolina uh, not so much with a losing record then again rivalry game and that one coming Saturday so lots to talk about with Chris again bloggingthebracket.com that's the site self-explanatory it's what he does for the SB Nation family of websites I look forward to talking with him uh, in a little bit. All right. In the meantime, however you found this uh, show, social media link, etc. The show growing, more of you finding it, subscribe. Subscribe is the easiest way to have it come to you via iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. Go and search it out, Stitcher, um, on and on. Wherever you find podcasts, just put in College Basketball Coast to Coast. This one pops up. Subscribe. Rate us, review us. That will help others find it as well. If you subscribe, hit rate and review. And again, you'll find College Basketball Coast to Coast wherever you find those podcasts. It comes automatically to your phone, to your listening device, your iPad, etc. Whenever there's a new one. Right now, we're in the mode somewhere around Tuesday, Monday afternoon, Tuesday. You'll get one from off the weekend. And then you'll get another Thursday to Friday type preview show for the next weekend that's upcoming. So kind of a recap and a preview on college basketball coast to coast. And uh, we want to tell you, as things march on, we get ready for some great conference college uh, tournament action, some championship games. Uh, you'll want to keep it locked in here as part of college basketball coast to coast as I get ready to work uh, games again for tune in on the Horizon League championship game in Indianapolis. This is the likes of Wright State. Uh, but also UIC, uh, Youngstown State, Detroit, uh, some of the top teams uh, that have been in this conference. Uh, Northern Kentucky, the champs a year ago. They've won two of the last three tournaments. Wright State got the one in the middle. So the Horizon League in Indianapolis I'll be working. We also look forward to the Sun Belt, where three of the last five years, Georgia State victorious although uh, and got the automatic bid, although their coach, Ron Hunter, has moved on to Tulane in, uh, in American Conference play. Georgia State, one of the contenders. Louisiana Lafayette, Texas Arlington, 
UTA was in the championship game a year ago. All of those teams in the Sun Belt, the likes of Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, uh, ULM, on and on, teams in Texas and Louisiana and Georgia and Arkansas, all over uh, the Sun Belt Conference. So we're anxious to bring you more about the Sun Belt and their championship game coming on Championship Sunday. Uh, looking forward to that on March the 15th. Beware the Ides of March and March the 15th in Championship Sunday as we talk some Sunbelt Conference basketball as well. This is the reason why we're coast to coast, whether we're talking Big East or Pac-12, Big Ten or SEC, ACC, Big 12, American, West Coast Conference, all of it, even those mid-majors, we get to all of it on college basketball coast to coast. Let's get to our guests and get to their conversation as we get ready for the weekend here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Yes, sir. We are ready to break it all down, including late night, Thursday night, Pac-12 action, West Coast action, and much more. He is based right now in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, He also writes about the Big Ten for BadgerWire.com, the USA Today website. I love the writings. I love the musings and the insight of one Matt Zimmick when it comes to college basketball. Welcome back to College Basketball Coast to Coast, my friend. You are like pseudo-West Coast uh, informant or bureau chief for the program on the heels of what we've seen Thursday. How you feeling? Feeling all right. Let's eat, TJ. Let's have a late-night snack in the pack. <laughs> all right, so, so since you have put that out there, uh, let me just say publicly, kudos to the St. Mary's Gales, who hail from what part of California again? Moraga. Moraga near near what? Near San Francisco? Near near what else? Walnut Creek. Which was the former home of? Pac-12 headquarters under former Commissioner Tom Hansen, the predecessor to Larry Scott. Wow, how about that? All right, so anyway, St. Mary's of Moraga has uh, gone in and, how shall we say, narrowly avoided an upset uh, at the hands of the San Diego Toreros, not to be confused with the unbeaten San Diego State Aztecs on a Thursday night, or the San Diego Padres or the former San Diego Chargers. This is the Toreros. And Matt is making veiled reference to an outstanding arena sponsor named the Jenny Craig Center, because apparently she, a family member, her husband, or someone used to go to that school, or at least somebody at San Diego University uh, wanted uh, the Craigs to give them a bunch of money for something, and so she peeled off uh, the chicken skin off the fried chicken, if you will, and donated them some cash. And uh, anyway, St. Mary's got the win. Um, and why is that important? Matt Zimmick, you might ask, why is that important for college basketball coast-to-coast purposes? Because St. Mary's will next host in Moraga, California, da-da-da-da, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, who were also a Thursday night winner at home pummeling Loyola Marymount, LMU. So this uh, this actually has relevance here uh, because I'm very interested in that matchup on Saturday evening, the first of two matchups. Between Gonzaga and St. Mary's, they'll play on the last day of the regular season in three weeks, but they play Saturday night as well. And so St. Mary's gets a quality road win uh, against the Toreros. Gonzaga holds serve at home, and now we get an interesting game there in the WCC, by the way. Well, you know, our mutual friend, Mark Wise, uh, you know, who does the three wise men uh, on this <laughs> podcast, you know, he talks about a resume builder and a resume protector, so... That that St. Mary's win over San Diego, that was a resume protector. Losing that game to San Diego, which is, you know, outside the top 200, you know, that would have been a bad loss to pick up. And that would have really endangered uh, the Gales' bubble positioning. But now they solidified that. And now they get that resume builder opportunity against Gonzaga. And, uh, you know, with the the health of Killian Tilly, who got injured uh, a few weeks ago, you know, that, that's going to be the big question for Gonzaga. What, what's his health going to be going into that game against St. Mary's? They didn't miss him much on Thursday, but again, uh, LMU, Loyola Marymount, not much of an opponent there. And Gonzaga has had their troubles with St. Mary's for whatever it's worth, different teams, different years. Uh, now it's a new year. We'll see what happens on uh, on Saturday. So, yes, dare we say 
that St. Mary's got their fill from San Diego, but still got the win at the Jenny Craig Center uh, there in San Diego. Enough with the puns from me about that matchup, but it'll be fun to watch Mark Few's team in that one uh, on Saturday evening. So let's delve into the rest of the Pac-12 while we have you here. Uh, off the buffet, Colorado holds serve at home beating Cal on Thursday night. Likewise, Arizona had a big lead on USC. It then narrowed to within three late in the game, but they hit their free throws and won it. So that's the two top 25 teams that were in action in the Pacific 12 conference. They both won. Give me a give me a thought or two because we also had an Arizona State big win over UCLA on Thursday night, and we had some controversy, but a, a win too for Utah against Stanford Thursday night. Give me some Pac-12 insight, Matt Zimmick on college basketball coast to coast. So the the big result for me is Utah over Stanford because you know with Stanford you know, the Cardinal won their first four games in the Pac-12. They were they were four now, and it seemed as though wow, this was going to be. Uh, a real surprise story this year, but now Stanford's lost four of its last five with this defeat to Utah. And of course, you know, in the PAC 12, you play two games in one part of the conference. So uh, if you're, if you play Utah on Wednesday or Thursday, that means you're playing at Colorado. It's the mountain road trip in the PAC 12. So, so Stanford's going to play at Colorado over the weekend. So that means that, you know, Stanford's going to be favored to lose that game. Colorado's going to be the favorite. Uh, Stanford could be five and five, and and so that that's a that's a sinking ship right now. Stanford did beat Oregon this past weekend. That's the Cardinals' best win of the whole season. But this team has really uh, treaded water for a month and a half. Uh, wasn't able to beat Kansas at home in December. Lost to Butler by one point. That that stands out as a real missed opportunity. So, you know, Stanford is going to enter the second half of February in need of collecting a bunch of wins uh, to, to solidify its NCAA tournament position. This was a game against Utah. Uh, Utah's four and six in the conference. That That's the kind of game. That, is a, that was a resume protector. Stanford didn't get it, so that resume takes a hit. That, that, that's the most significant game from Thursday night in the Pac-12 in terms of bubble teams endangering their position uh you know usc is a bubble team but you're not going to get punished too much for losing at arizona that's kind of expected usc will need to beat arizona state though to get a split in its arizona road trip um colorado taking care of cal that's expected uh it's so here's the here's the overview tj of the pac-12 we have seven teams Right now, within one game of first place, incredible, three teams, incredible. Three teams, three teams with three losses, four teams with four conference losses. So it's a big, huge jumble, and there really aren't any heavyweight teams. I do think that Colorado, Oregon, and Arizona are the class of the conference. You know, USC and Stanford. Uh, you know, Stanford was the first place team after two weeks of play in January. USC shared first place very briefly. Um, but has never really looked especially convincing. USC has fallen behind by double digits uh, in, I believe, at least three of its last four games. USC needs to start games authoritatively, and the Trojans have historically been very bad under Andy Enfield in the month of February. It's a team that usually gets worse as the conference season goes along and other people, other teams in the, in the league get, accumulate more film, more study, of the Trojans' offense. USC becomes a team that's very easy to figure out at the offensive end of the court, and the Trojans need an elite point guard to overcome uh, Andy Enfield's X and O limitations. <laughs> so anyway, it's a very wide-open Pac-12, and there's no heavyweight team. Uh, you know, I, I thought that Oregon would, would emerge from the Pac, but that really hasn't happened yet. Well, and I heard Dave Pash on the ESPN call with Bill Walton, and that's one of the great tandems Walton with anybody it's it's hilarious but Pash and Walton have now figured it out uh, as the yin and the yang but uh, when they weren't putting the zings out and talking pop culture references and uh, old uh, Pac-12 basketball references from Walton etc etc uh, he did point out it is the first time in over a decade that in the first weekend in February, every Pac-12 team has at least three losses. To your point 
about how wide open it is. So truly, right now, anybody can take command of that conference. Um, just a quick comment from you, and then we'll look ahead to Saturday kind of in the preview mode real quick for the Pac-12. Do you believe this is a solid four-bid league, the Pac-12? Is it maybe more than a four-bid league right now in early February? What do you think? Uh, not at all. I think that only I think that three bids is pretty safe, but four that you know USC and Stanford both have to steady themselves over the next few weeks, and they're certainly you can certainly make the case that these are two programs that are headed on a downward trajectory. Uh, going into the second half of February. So, uh, you know, I think if if you were to tell me, you know, one month from now the Pac-12 will get four bids, I wouldn't be particularly surprised about that. But I mean, right now, Stanford and USC both have a lot of convincing to do. It's kind of funny while you're talking, I'm watching just simultaneously at the same time. They're doing the CBS Sports Network uh, college basketball recap show inside college basketball, very clever name uh, for their post game show. So anyway, they've got, they've got Seth Davis uh, from the Athletic, uh, who wrote many years for Sports Illustrated. It's been on CBS for about fifteen years doing the commentary. They've get they've got Khaled El Amin from UConn. They've got John Rothstein, their insider, uh, uh, that again breaks a lot of uh, different news and different stuff. They were just debating this very subject, how many Pac-12 teams. You will be happy to know that Seth Davis and Khaled el both agreed with you. It's a three-bid conference right now. Maybe the fourth team is Stanford, like you're mentioning. Maybe the, the you know, USC is one of those teams. Uh, we will see as, uh, as everything sorts out. Interesting on the weekend, uh, as we talk with Matt Zimmick here uh, for some insight on college basketball coast-to-coast, Stanford suffers that loss at Utah, but they get a chance at another great quality win opportunity playing Colorado, ranked number 24 in the AP in the top 20 of the net rankings. Stanford at Colorado, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 4 p.m. Mountain time. Adjust your time zone accordingly. That's probably the most significant game on the weekend. Oregon's at Oregon State late night. USC, Arizona State. Maybe you want to sell that one to me, that that's more interesting than Stanford, Colorado. What do you think in the preview mode real quick for Saturday? Well, you know, so here, here's, the, here's the distinction between Stanford at Colorado and USC at Arizona State. Stanford at Colorado is a matchup between a bubble team and an NCAA team. Colorado is pretty solid as an NCAA team. So Stanford is trying to dramatically improve its resume and move a couple notches up the, the leaderboard uh, you know, relative to the bubble. So, I mean, if Stanford beats Colorado, that, that'll really solidify Stanford for the NCAA tournament. Not, not lock status by any means, but, you know, it will push Stanford upward past several teams and give the Cardinal a degree of bubble safety. USC Arizona State, that is a matchup of two bubble teams that both need to move up the ladder. So, uh, there's, a, there's more urgency for two teams. In USC, Arizona State, there's more urgency for one team in Stanford at Colorado with the Cardinal really needing to make a statement. And because of Colorado's standing, this is a quad one opportunity for Stanford to win on the road against a top 20 net ranking team. And again, the NCAA pays attention to those net rankings. Uh, Let's see. Let's see if they can get that again. For USC, it's not a quad one opportunity playing Arizona State. Uh, who's outside of the top 25 of the net or, or the top 50 even for the home team. So let's see what happens there. And again, UCLA just got smoked on Thursday there at Arizona. Mick Cronin doesn't look like it's an NCAA tournament season unless they do something dramatic to turn it around at large or, or do damage in the three days in Las Vegas in the um, in the Pac-12 tournament. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, before I let you go, I might as well lean on you uh, for a little Big Ten coming for the weekend in the preview mode because, again, you're writing for BadgerWire.com, the Wisconsin website off the, US, uh, off the uh, USA Today uh, website and fleet of websites. So in Big Ten action, again, this is another conference where we've had trouble figuring out who's really good at the top of it. At the beginning of the year, it looked like it was going to be Ohio State and Michigan contending. They've both fallen off dramatically. Now it's the likes of Illinois and Iowa and Purdue and even Rutgers and Maryland at the top of the conference. 
Um, on the weekend, again, just looking at the Big Ten games, Michigan State early at Michigan, noon Eastern time on Saturday, uh, Matt Zimmick. Also, uh, Penn State off the upset of Michigan State hosting Minnesota. Here we go again with that game. Very important for Minnesota on the road because that would be a quad one win for them at Penn State. Uh, Purdue at Indiana on Saturday. And obviously you pay closest attention to Wisconsin. Wisconsin Sunday at home with Ohio State. Touch on a Big Ten game or two that interests you for the weekend real quick in the preview mode. Well, I'd say the, the Michigan State-Michigan game is fascinating because on one hand, you have Michigan State having lost two games in a row. And since I cover Wisconsin, the Michigan State-Wisconsin game, which was played this past Saturday, February 1, Wisconsin didn't have two of its normal starters in that game. One left the team earlier in the week, Kobe King, and the, and the other starter who was unavailable for that game, Brad Davison, he got suspended one game for a flagrant foul against Iowa. So that was an extremely shorthanded Wisconsin team. That should have been that game should have been a layup for Michigan State, and it somehow didn't do it. Um, Xavier Tillman, Michigan State's superb big man, went three of fifteen from the field. He missed like eight four footers. Mm. Just had a nightmare game, and that's how that game got away from Michigan State. So okay, you think all right, terrible loss. Tom Izzo's team's going to bounce back at home in East Lansing against Penn State. No. Didn't happen. So, so Michigan State's in a really bad place. And then the story with Michigan, the team that the Spartans are going to play uh, this weekend, if there is one team in the United States, TJ, that is likely to make the NCAA tournament with a losing conference record, there's one of those most years, it's Michigan. Uh, Michigan is 4-7 and seven in the Big Ten, but has that shiny win over Gonzaga, also a win over Iowa and a win over Rutgers. So, I mean, Michigan is still likely to get into the NCAAs, even though its conference record is 4-7. and seven. So you have two teams that are both in, you know, not precarious positions in terms of the NCAA tournament, but they, they're, they certainly need to boost their seeding, and they, they have certainly not achieved nearly as well as, as either fan base would have liked. So that's a fascinating game. The, the big picture in the Big Ten is that home teams are still roughly, I don't have the exact number, but home teams are like 60 and 20 this year. Uh, home teams have pounded road teams, and uh, teams that, that play really well one day are then awful the next. Wisconsin <laughs> is one of those teams. You know, beating Michigan State with without two starters, you know, tremendous defensive effort. And then Wisconsin allowed 45 points to Minnesota in the first half. This past Wednesday, uh, forced only one turnover in that first half. Just a total no-show, just pillow-soft defense. Uh, Purdue is a team that entering the, the its midweek game earlier this week against Iowa, TJ, Purdue had scored 61 or fewer points in eight of its first 22 games. So that's, that's almost half, and it's more than a third. Purdue, so Purdue's offense had ridden the struggle bus a lot. Purdue scored 61 points in the first half against mm-hmm. Iowa and uh, hit, hit crossed the century mark. It so, looked like a video game. Really if have... I can interject, it looked like a video game with them making all the threes the other night for Purdue. And this is the same. This is the same Purdue team that scored a, a, in a game with Illinois. They scored like 39 points in the game. And they scored 104 and looked like they could have scored 144 uh, the other night. So go figure, when you're at home, it's green light time, right? That's your point, it seems like, for a lot of these Big Ten teams. Yeah, I mean, the, Wisconsin and Purdue, among others, but I think those are the two foremost examples of teams that are way up at home and are way down on the road. And there is such a, an incredibly large variance between their best selves and their worst selves. And those, those best and worst selves, they're pretty much appearing every other game. Like, no team get, goes on a three-game winning streak in the Big Ten. That's just the laws of physics this year. It's been that kind of a college basketball season. Voice of Matt Zimmick, another couple of moments. College basketball, Coast to Coast podcast. Follow him at Matt Zimmick, Z-E-M-E-K. He's a great follow for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but I love his insight on the college hoops game. Uh, and again, you can read his writings as well on the Badger Wire website from USA Today at badgerwire.com. Wisconsin, Ohio State, 
on Sunday. And by the way, that segues a little bit, that Penn State upset of Michigan State on Tuesday night, great win on the road at the Breslin Center, was in part due to foul shooting, and you know where I'm headed here, Matt Zimmick, where uh, Penn State time and again made clutch free throw after clutch free throw, and Cassius Winston, the star all-everything guard for Michigan State, missed a crucial free throw that would have given them the lead by one. Instead, the game was tied in the final, I think, 30 seconds. Penn State made their free throws at the other end, made two more ceiling free throws. It just brings us back to its free throw awareness month. You gotta, you gotta be uh, mindful that free throw awareness month in the month of March is coming, and we love talking about free throw awareness whenever we get an opportunity in free throw awareness month. Matt, the American Free Throw Advisory Board wants families and their young men and women <laughs> who step to the line fifteen feet from a net uh, to be prepared. Uh, we we need to exhibit vigilance and a gooseneck follow through and a pure fluid knee bend. This lowers blood pressure levels it saves families it keeps us together and and it reduces anxiety in a very anxious time for the united states of (laughs) america and what else they need to do is follow at ft awareness right on twitter and we've got t-shirts uh with the hashtag ft awareness month that is coming the month of march some clever ones uh tell the tell the public real quick they need to see these they can go uh, there on twitter and see them t public has the t-shirt we have the links we're putting those out on social media to the t public website where they can see these shirts but one of them is we don't like burnt ends right the front end of a one and one when we're talking free throw awareness don't be missing the front end of the one and one matt zimmick yeah, I mean, at a barbecue restaurant, burn ends are great, but in the in the world of free throw awareness, they're terrible. They they are traumatic events. They have decided national championships. Just ask the Houston Cougars mm. from 1983 against uh, North Carolina State. So you know, we our mantra on the American Free Throw Advisory Board is: friends don't let friends miss front ends, <laughs> and uh, that is part of our T-shirt collection at Free Throw Awareness Month. Also, find the shot doctor that's right for you and your family. And uh, we also have a shirt, January, February, Free Throw Awareness Month, April, May. So lots of different designs for you to consider uh, and exhibit the vigilance that we need in this country for National Free Throw Awareness Month. Well, and we do our best, again, on the hashtag FT Awareness Month and the Twitter handle at FT Awareness to go over the free throws. I'm glad you mentioned Houston 83 and not my 08 Memphis Tigers who missed not one, not two, but five of them in the final minute against Kansas in the 08 championship game only to lose in overtime while I was sitting courtside watching my alma mater from press row blow all of those free throws. Not that I'm still battered child, emotionally scarred 12 years later from lack of free throw awareness, but obviously I am. So, And not that... And not that you're keeping track of the exact number of exactly. free throws missed. And that it yeah. was Derrick Rose at the line for the two crucial ones that opened the door for Mario Chalmers to hit the three when he missed those. But, let, I mean, let's bring it back to the positive. Thursday night victory by Cincinnati at Wichita State. Huge for NCAA tournament at-large purposes. Jerron Cumberland, let's call him out, Matt Zimmick, in a good way for free throw awareness and free throw awareness month. Two crucial makes in the final minute that put them uh, up by one. Then eventually uh, a three-point shot by Wichita State put them up by two. Then Cumberland in the final 10 seconds scores and gets an and-one opportunity. He's fouled while scoring to tie the game. Makes the free throw again on the road. Three for three in the final 40 seconds on the road in an upset win over Wichita State. For Jerron Cumberland and and uh, Cincinnati Bearcats, that is free throw awareness that to the positive. In great moments of stress, that's when we learn if we are prepared for life's crises. So that is why the American Free Throw Advisory Board exists to uh, ingrain <laughs> ingrain this important life saving blood pressure lowering message for the American family. All right, there you go. There's not a tinge. 
tinge of sarcasm or overstatement uh, from Matt Zimmick about any of that. All right, my friend, uh, again, plug away on where they can read you and find you one more time as you hopped on with me here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Go ahead. So badgerswire.com, and uh, that's where I'm covering Wisconsin. And I am also the creator of the Free Throw Awareness Podcast at Patreon. So I will have some episodes uh, coming up early next week. Uh, that people can listen to. But, uh, you know, obviously college basketball coast to coast is is the podcast I value the most. So we're going to keep this train rolling in February. We tried to, and you made a rhyme there. I'm a little punchy because it's late at night while we're talking, and you're rhyming away, and I might rhyme for the next 10 minutes if we keep going. Great stuff, uh, Matt Zimmick, uh, here tonight on all things Pac-12, a little Big Ten that we squeezed in, a little free throw shooting. Be well, enjoy the hoops this weekend, and we're headed towards March, my friend. Thank you, TJ. Thank you. There he goes. Love the inside of Matt Zimmick. A reminder, Chris Dobertine of SB Nation's bloggingthebracket.com will be here with bracket updates and the games he's watching this weekend. Stand by for that in a moment. I want to remind you that College Basketball Coast to Coast brought to you in part by Play Pick 6 and their mobile app. Go to the Apple Store, the Google Play Store, and download Play Pick 6 right now for free and play any six games in college hoops, but also crossover sports to the NBA or the NHL that are ongoing right now. Baseball will start up soon enough. You can cross over sports with the Play Pick 6 app for free, and you've got a great sports restaurant gift card awaiting you if you get all six games correct. Again, it's easy to download. Takes less than a couple of minutes to sign up. Just search for Play Pick 6 in the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. Sign up. Pick your six games. And another little secret here with Saturday coming in particular, there's going to be 60 or 70 games on Saturday just in college basketball. You can pick six of them and if one of them loses out and zeroes out your your pick card there, you can go right back and pick six more as long as there are games that have not started yet. So for the, the late night games that are going on in the West uh, and the Pac-12 in, in specific, the West Coast Conference, the Big West, the Mountain West, pick six more with Play Pick 6. And again, a special feature, a lot of these prognostication games, these selection games, they don't let you cross over sports. It's only the NFL. It's only the NBA. Play Pick 6, you can cross over. College hoops, the NBA, the NHL, pick any six games. If you win, you get that uh, free restaurant gift card outstanding restaurant gift card for any winner that hits the six again go to playpick6.com to find out more about the app about the rules but it's simple to download in the apple store the google play store they are sponsors of everything we're doing with the college basketball coverage go download it now it's play pick six he is back just in time for the weekend. We are ready to blog the bracket some more, preview the weekend games with Chris Dobertine of SB Nation's bloggingthebracket.com website. Great insight into the field of 68 moving up and down. He did so well earlier in the week that it's, it's got to be a twofer. we got to go twice as nice and bring him back here. He's going to be a frequent contributor on college basketball coast to coast. First of all, how are you as some things have sorted out here a little bit midweek? Yeah, yeah, things have sorted out a little bit, TJ. Uh, Technology-wise, for me, they haven't. So this is going to be a most unusual appearance we've been talking about over the past two days, basically. Uh, Yeah, so Chris is like back in the dark ages before the internet, before the cell phone, uh, when you actually had to read a newspaper to find out the scores and the results. And if you wanted to talk to somebody about it, you picked up an actual physical telephone and dialed their number to talk to them. But that's okay. (laughs) We're working on your technology. You did say to me, your Apple Watch is working wonderfully. So I'm glad in 2020 that that technology is still working well for you. Yeah, yeah, the old, it's not quite the old Dick Tracy phone watch, but, uh, but it, at least, you know, it let me know that you were calling. Yes, that's good. Okay, so, uh, some things to go over. Obviously, we have spent some time with Matt Zimmick before, uh, you've come on talking Thursday night, Pac 12 and West Coast Conference. Uh, results. A game that I want to hone in on was the finish of Cincinnati and Wichita State. Fantastic, almost March-like feel to that game. Large road win for the Bearcats. So back-to-back wins for them against Houston at home last weekend and now at Wichita 
on Thursday night. Uh, Jerron Cumberland with the big and one, the the old-fashioned three-point play, the drive to the hoop, draws the foul, puts it in. Wichita State had one last chance out of the timeout trying to get a desperation three to go off a set play. Didn't work. And so big win for Cincinnati, great finish, and Wichita State now, uh, in terms of blogging the bracket, a little less solid footing right now. I'm saying that. What are you saying, Chris? Yeah, this is a team that back when I started doing this back in January, you know, doing weekly updates, they were kind of in that. They were the last number four seed, so they were in the top 16. Now they've slid down, you know, kind of in that 8, 9, 10 range, and the problem that they have is that they're – their two best non-conference wins over Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, especially that latter one against the Cowboys, and that really turned out to be as great, you know, as they thought they were going to be. They they lose to you know West Virginia in the Cancun Challenge right before Thanksgiving. If they had won that game, they would probably be in a little bit better shape. But the fact that they lost for their last six, dropped two in a row against teams that are kind of you know in their wheelhouse in terms of contending for the American, they're in real trouble here. And if they don't kind of get things back you know, on track really soon, they're going to be kind of in that definite cut line bubble territory soon. Well, and this is something that we're going to talk about uh, over the next two or three weeks. You can play your way in, you can play your way out, and I, I don't believe they're out, but, no. I, I mean, you look at, okay, uh, the the next three um, uh, straight ahead, Houston Sunday, which we'll talk more about in a second, but then at UCF, that's not really going to help them. They're outside the, the 100s of the net, the RPI, mm-hmm. et cetera. Tulane is 175 or worse in the uh, uh, net and the RPI. Then USF at home is is 125 in the net. None of those games really help them. So this Houston game is large, and then a finish at Cincinnati, later a finish at SMU, at Memphis. Uh, those road games, those three road games, will be very important for the Shockers to help their resume late in the year. Yeah, and you kind of think about those games, in particular that Tulane game. Tulane was a team that started out a lot better in Ron Hurst's first year, but they kind of reverted back to form, and they slid down. They were at one point a top 100 team. Now they're almost, you know, into the second one. You know, they're in almost at a 200 level if they keep on losing. Um, you know, UCF has not had a, a good season their first year back. USF had some, had some injury issues, which have kind of kept them kind of out of the the, the contention range that people kind of thought they were going to be in, in, in back in November. So, yeah, Wichita State has some very tricky games where they could potentially pick up one of those really bad losses that could knock their seed line even further. Yeah, you got to watch out for that, um, and we'll see what happens. And again, on Thursday night, Houston won easily over Tulane at home. And then it just it's a topsy-turvy year in college basketball. We keep asking Chris Dobertine who's good. Tulsa has already beaten Houston, has already beaten Memphis, has already beaten Wichita State. So, of course, they lose by double figures at home to UConn on Thursday night. Go figure, right? They're leading the American, and UConn beats them decisively. Yeah, and that's a UConn team that had never won at Tulsa you know, during their time in the American Athletic Conference. So that was kind of a completely unexpected result. But, you know, now Tulsa's out of first place. If I was able to do a bracket projection today, they would be out of it. Um, Even though they're leading, right, even though they're they're tied for the lead in the conference or a half game back with only two losses uh, tied in the loss column, you would have them out right now. And that's a bad loss. Yeah. That's a bad loss at home to a UConn team uh, that's 89 in the net or 69 in the net um, and lose by double figures. Not good on that front. So a little American, a little American conversation from Thursday night. I, I want to look ahead to Saturday and Sunday as part of college basketball coast to coast. And speaking of upsets, uh, LSU goes into Nashville and Vanderbilt beats them Wednesday night. And now you're doing the old Humphrey Bogart. I'm dating myself. Here's looking at you, kid. You're looking at LSU <laughs> at Auburn Saturday right off the bat at noon, right? Can they bounce back? Well, you know, the question was kind of like, you know, is LSU running away with the SEC? And it looked like for a time that it was, that they were. And, of course, they go lose to Vanderbilt. And, of course, that losing streak was even worse than people were saying it was because not only was it 26 regular season games, there were two conference tournament losses in there, too. So that was 28 straight in, in league play. And, and you know, I wrote in my in my uh, preview post on Wednesday, like, just figure this season, you know, that LSU would go in uh, perfect in the SEC and, and they would happen to lose at Vanderbilt. That would just you know, put a nice bow on how crazy the season has been. And lo and behold, that's what happened. 
And now they head to a second straight road game against an Auburn team that's been really impressive, especially at Auburn Arena. And now I think, you know, with the way that Auburn took care of Kentucky last Saturday, you know, they have themselves in position where they win this game against the Bayou Bengals, and they're going to be in position to really claim the favorites mantle in the SEC at this point. Uh, And I think that that's something to keep in mind. And, you know, you kind of look at Auburn and LSU, and right now there isn't an SEC team, in my opinion, that's really worthy of being on the top four D-lines. You know, I kind of had Auburn just a little bit outside as I was doing my figuring before my internet went out yesterday. Um, And Auburn was kind of on the cusp. If they win that game, they're going to be really the team in the SEC that has the the best case to get a protected seed during during the NCAA tournament. And they won at Arkansas midweek. They will then rematch yeah. Alabama coming up. Auburn will play Alabama at home midweek next week. Still looming later on in the schedule is their return game at Kentucky that most people will point yeah. to on that one. And they have two games with Tennessee. They get Tennessee at home first yeah. late February and then finish with Tennessee in Knoxville in the final regular season game. But Auburn looking good uh, right now. Yeah. Uh, for this LSU matchup. Also on Saturday, 2.30 Eastern Time, really looking forward to Seton Hall, Villanova, top spots in the uh, in the Big East. Seton Hall still leading the Big East, got a quality win at Georgetown. Villanova beaten on the last second shot midweek, Chris Daubertine, since the last time we talked to you, uh, by Butler. And so uh, this is the first of two meetings, right? Very important for Villanova chasing yeah. Seton Hall. Yeah, because Seton Hall really has kind of put themselves in position to be the best three seed at this point. You know, right on the cusp, depending on kind of what Louisville and Florida State do, maybe they can kind of jump on, onto that two line. Villanova was in that position before they dropped two games in a row. So really, you know, we're kind of looking at teams that are not only challenging for the Big East regular season title, the number one team in the Big East tournament, but really which one is going to end up getting the higher seed nationally when we get into March. So... This is really a crucial game. Seton Hall has been pretty good on the road. So they're going to have an interesting chance to pick up kind of a big, a really nice road win for their profile, you know, at Wells Fargo Arena on Saturday afternoon. But Villanova has really kind of got to stop the bleeding at this point because a third straight loss, and, and they're going to pretty much be knocking themselves completely out of that protected seed conversation. Very interesting that the Big East right now, number one in the net rankings, and as you said to us earlier in the week, probably six teams safely in at the moment, subject to change, six teams in uh, for the NCAA tournament. So that one is a marquee game. Another one that you have your eye on. A few more moments. Chris Daubertine with us, bloggingthebracket.com, constantly updating his bracket. Uh, who's in, who's out on the final uh, cut line there, as he, as he made mention of, the last two or three in, four in, the last two or three or four out, and that's subject to change. Minnesota is a team that can greatly help themselves. They did midweek with a win over Michigan. Again, here's looking at you, kid, at Penn State Saturday afternoon after Penn State's upset at Michigan State. Minnesota, large matchup at Penn State that you'll be watching. Well, the Nittany Lions have really gotten themselves into a really strong position at this point. You think about that one against the Spartans, and now they're they're really you know the second-ranked team in the Big Ten from a bracketology perspective behind Maryland. They're looking at a solid four seed, an outside shot at getting up to a three seed. So if Minnesota, who, you know, the biggest issue for them is not only their net ranking, which is kind of a little bit lower, you know, in that mid-40s, lower 50s range has kind of been hovering around over the past couple of weeks. And they also have double-digit losses. And if they, you know, add any more losses and they can't get that net ranking any higher, they're going to really be sweating it out on Selection Sunday. Winning at Penn State would be a you know a nice top twenty win for them would get that ranking up a little bit and keep them from having you know you know an eleventh to twelfth a thirteenth loss is going to really make things a little bit you know nerve wracking as we get down to the end so it's it's kind of a double a doubly important game for the Golden Gophers just because they don't want to pick up yet another loss you know in a situation that could really give them a nice little uh, a nice little net boost. All right, well, we'll see what happens. Uh, a lot of losses for Minnesota, but a chance to win some games. Again, opportunity uh, is better if you're in a Power 6 league for them to get some yeah. large ones, and we'll see if Penn State can validate the midweek upset as well for Pat Chambers' team. And this is amazing. You and I have been talking for almost 10 minutes about the weekend and about what we're looking forward to, and I have not said the words Duke at North Carolina to you yet. And here it is. Duke 
Carolina uh, with the Blue Devils, one of the top programs again, probably in the market for a number one seed, two seed at the worst. And we don't know. We got to. I'm looking with my binoculars. Can I see North Carolina on the last uh, eight out? Are they the last 12 out? How far away is North Carolina here? Big, big, big trouble. What's the deal? Yeah, they, they have a losing record. Their net is, what, over 100 at this point? So they're not even on the radar at this point. They have they have got to win this game. They've got to win several more. I mean, it's kind of funny. ESPN has kind of been pushing this, you know, the whole Jay Bellis, Duke North Carolina never disappoints quote. You know, I saw the thing yesterday on Twitter, you know, about Duke and North Carolina wearing these 1910 throwback jersey-inspired <laughs> jerseys. It's like, it's like you are really stretching. They're trying. You really want to they're trying, to aren't they? Really they're stretching. Yeah, yeah, they're trying. But, uh, but something about this rivalry, though. I mean, I've yeah. had the I've had the privilege of being there at Cameron twice for this, uh, and it is intense. Uh, these were in the Tyler Hansbro days in the late two thousands, yeah. where North Carolina won four times in a row and beat Duke both times in those games yeah. uh, at Cameron. Uh, and now that you know, you can't tell me that there's they don't they, they're looking at this like this is the season. If we can beat Duke here, this is something to hang your hat on for the season. Whatever happens next, and and Duke better be ready for that part of the rivalry and the atmosphere at the Dean Dome, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because North Carolina still has a few more quality win opportunities left in the regular season, and and really what they need to be building for is you know to get a decent seating in the ACC tournament, which is still possible because. You know, outside of the top three, I mean, seeds four through eight are still open. So you're kind of still working for a buy or for a double buy in that tournament. So they still have a shot at that if they can kind of get things back on track over the last five weeks. And then if they can do that and, you know, get themselves in a position where they only have to win three games in the ACC tournament, the season is not completely over for them. But they, they have got to put on a good performance against Duke tomorrow night. All right, so we'll see what happens in that matchup. Couple more moments. Sunday games that you have your eye on. Ohio State and Wisconsin in Madison. Sunday, 1 Eastern time, noon local time in Madison on CBS national TV game. Big for both, but both right now uh, on the fringe at best, and both need this game, right? Well, Wisconsin has enough quality wins that their seating is kind of you know, a little bit better than you would think given the number of losses that they have. But that's, again, kind of like Minnesota. they got to avoid picking up a lot of losses, especially at home, because that's going to really kind of deflate their case. And Ohio State's a very dangerous team because this is a squad that, you know, once the New Year turned around, really started to hit a bit of a slide. Last couple of weeks, though, they've been playing more like they did back in November and early December. So this is a very dangerous matchup for Wisconsin. You know, an Ohio State team that's also trying to kind of get itself out of the 8-9 range and, and more back, you know, towards the 4-5 the, the or five range that we kind of figured they'd be a couple of weeks ago. Well, and they've won three in a row, to your point, beating Indiana uh, last Saturday, beating Michigan at Michigan. Amazingly, this is, the, again, you got to look at the metrics and the numbers, and this is why it's a selective process and a vote uh, from a committee. Ohio State's got seven losses already. They're fifteen and seven, yet their yeah. net ranking is sixteen. So it tells you about yeah. their strength of schedule. But uh, this is this is big for them to get some wins here late in the year because they'll play at Rutgers. They'll play. Uh, I'm sorry. They'll play Rutgers at home midweek next week. Purdue at home uh, next weekend. Valentine's weekend. Again, you get many more opportunities in the power conferences. We'll see what Ohio State can do with Wisconsin. And Wisconsin looked awful. As Matt Zimmick was talking about just before yeah. you came on, they didn't do anything well, really, at, at Minnesota in that game the other night. So let's see if they can bounce back, obviously, at home for the, uh, for the Badgers. All right, and finally, we mentioned Wichita State and Houston. Uh, Kelvin Sampson's team looking to get a quality win. Uh, here in this one in the American Conference, uh, it, it, it will be um, interesting to watch that one unfold. That one, three Eastern time Sunday on ESPN. We already touched on Wichita State trying to bounce back, uh, trying to bounce back after the the heartbreaking loss to Cincinnati. They've lost four of their last six games. Houston now tied with Cincinnati atop the conference standings. Cincinnati has the head-to-head tiebreaker of the win. Yeah. Last weekend, Chris Daubertine, but now for the Houston Cougars, this is a great opportunity for them against a net ranked 44 team at home in Wichita State. Yeah, yeah, Houston's one of those teams that's really kind of getting itself back 
very quietly into a position where it's, it's really improving its seating. They were kind of in that 8-9 range for a little bit. Now they're kind of hovering to that 5 or 6 just because of what they've been able to do, even with that loss to Cincinnati last week. And their improvement in the net, and you know if they beat Wichita State, you know it's not going to probably give them too much of a boost just because they'll be at home and Wichita State's not in the top 30. But it's going to really kind of help Cincinnati's case too because Cincinnati, if, if Houston win that, wins that game and they don't lose to UConn on Sunday in, in a game that's a little bit earlier, um, they're going to be finally in position where they're going to have two quad one wins because Houston will be in that top 30 for that home game last week. And, of course, the Wichita State win. You know, even if they lose to Houston, that they're not going to drop out of the top 75 because of that. So that really is the situation where, where Cincinnati helps. So that helps the entire American Conference as a whole. We'll see if it does. And again, Kelvin Sampson's team has been on a roll, including beating Wichita State at Wichita State. Uh, at the moment right now, they have won eight of nine. The only loss is the Cincinnati loss midweek win over Tulane. Wichita State at home coming Sunday. Then they will be in Tampa, where I am seated and doing uh, this podcast, not far from where I am, at the Yingling Center on the campus of USF. That's a very winnable game. They then play at SMU. Tricky next weekend. Houston yep. still has to go to Memphis. They play Memphis twice. They still have Cincinnati at home. Again, very intriguing how how things are shaping up in the American Conference. We'll have our eyes on Wichita State-Houston Sunday. So we've done a good job of previewing all of this. Chris Dobertine, tell us more about bloggingthebracket.com, what you do, and how we find out more about it and where. Go ahead, sir. Uh, Bloggingthebracket.com, and I will have a TV preview up on Saturday morning um, before all the action tips off, which will kind of point out which games you want to pay the most attention to from a net perspective and from a postseason perspective in some of the major conferences. Um, and then once we get internet back, we'll have a, a full bracket update on SBNation.com <laughs> on Tuesday. We got to get this man, his internet working, his TV working. We were joking about that before. He does a great job. Again, find him on social media at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. I didn't make you do in and out where on uh, the last show on College Basketball <laughs> Coast to Coast, you declared five programs out, and I said just send you all the hate on, on Twitter yeah. from the trolls and whatever. We didn't do that this time, but we'll we'll catch back up with you next week yeah, as, <laughs> as Chris is going to be joining us, and the hate will be flowing again. Just remember, he hates all of your programs just uh he's not he's not uh, uh picky about this he hates all of you uh so i'm, I'm just being funny uh, so uh Even the teams i cheer for right <laughs> right so uh good luck with blogging the again uh follow him at chris dobertine as he will be live tweeting throughout the weekend about who's moving up or moving down with these games and we're anxious to talk with you more here on college basketball coast to coast chris thank you thank you tj there we go. Good stuff from him. Good stuff from Matt Zemick as well. Uh, again, Matt's got his eyes on what those Wisconsin Badgers will be doing with Ohio State on Sunday. He'll be writing about that. Follow him at Matt Zemick, Z-E-M-E-K, on social media. Follow us here at CBB Coast to Coast with the number two, CBB Coast to Coast on social media. Again, find Chris's site, bloggingthebracket.com through SB Nation. Uh, he will be tweeting about the bracket posting about the bracket, who's in, who's out. Great way to find us there. Subscribe to this show. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. It comes automatically to you. And we're ready for all the college hoops this weekend. We're back to recap it, look ahead midweek, next week, and much more. It is college basketball coast to coast. Bye.